God's sovereign. Look, Luther had it right on this. He was all mixed up on the Jewish people, but he had it right on this. The devil is God's devil. That is, the devil doesn't have absolute freedom. He is allowed to do what he can do under the hand of a sovereign God. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We are working our way through the book of Revelation, and today we begin a message which will complete chapter 18. We've been studying about a city which during the tribulation will come to be known as Babylon, after the Old Testament city by the same name. The city will likely be Rome, or very close to it, and it will be the seat of an ecumenical movement which will see all the religions of the world coming together as a new religion. All of this will be orchestrated by the Antichrist. But halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist will do away with this religion and will establish an economic and worldwide governmental institution in this city. As we begin a new message entitled, The Cry When Babylon Falls, Dr. Brogy reviews what we've studied so far over the past few weeks. Take God's word this morning, would you? Revelation chapter 18. If you are joining us for the first time, we've been working our way chapter by chapter and verse by verse through the revelation of Jesus Christ that's given to the Apostle John. Now, I must tell you that chapters 17 and 18 are probably the two most difficult chapters in all of the Revelation. In many series, people just skip them or they maybe do even one sermon to cover them. But while they're difficult, they're not impossible, God gave us these chapters so we can understand them. And so this is the sixth sermon on these two chapters. And so it's a rather long section today, but pay attention, God wants us to get this. Now we know that at the end of time, before Jesus comes, a political leader is going to come on the scene who will emerge out of the former Roman Empire. The Bible says in Revelation 13 that he will have authority over every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And he will have the most extensive world empire the world has ever seen or will see apart from the Lord Jesus himself. He'll come with a compelling dynamic. He'll come with deception. He'll come with demonic power. He'll come with great cleverness and solutions as the world will be looking for answers. They will be looking for a savior of sorts during this seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. There are some 30 titles that are given to this man. Often John describes him simply as the beast. Probably the most popular name is the Antichrist. He comes in the place of Christ and he comes against Christ. And so chapters 17 and 18 are very, very important because it helps us to understand the atmosphere that the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will create just before Jesus comes back from heaven. And we have been studying that the capital of this coming world leader is going to be a place called Babylon. Now we're going to begin reading this morning in verse 9, precisely where we left off. So follow along and listen carefully. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. 
And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore, cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and every kind of citron wood and every article of ivory and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. The fruit you long for has gone from you, and all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour... Such great wealth has been laid waste. And every shipmaster, and every passenger and sailor, and as many as make their living by the sea, stood at a distance and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. And the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. And no craftsman or any craft will be found in you any longer. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Now there are two great cities that are underscored in the Bible. They are both called the great city. One is Jerusalem. It's mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. It's first mentioned in Genesis 14. It's last mentioned in Revelation chapter 21. Jerusalem, in God's eyes, is a very special city. The Bible teaches it is the most important city on the face of the earth. When God looks down from heaven, the prophet Ezekiel records these words of this city. Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I've set her at the center of the nations with lands around her. It is the most important city on the face of the earth, more important than Washington or Tokyo or New York or Moscow or any other place you can think of. And both the Old and the New Testaments affirm that truth. But the devil is going to try to replace the plan and purposes of God through Jerusalem with his own city. And so there's a coming city called Babylon. It exists today, but it will come to the forefront at the end of time before Jesus' return from heaven. And it will not represent the city of God, but the city of man. Babylon is the second most prominent city mentioned in the Bible over 300 times, beginning in Genesis 10, all the way to its destruction here in the 18th chapter of the Revelation. If Jerusalem represents the plans and purposes of God, Babylon represents the plans and purposes of man. And the Old Testament is filled, like the New Testament, with references to Babylon. We studied its inception in Genesis chapter 10. 
It's called the Tower of Babel. That's the shortened Hebrew for what the Greek translation, the Septuagint, calls the Tower of Babylon. And if you remember, under a man named Nimrod, the first federation, the first united nation, so to speak, that sought to bring the human race together politically and religiously was under a man by the name of Nimrod who sought to replace God and exalt man. He deified the creation and he sought to dethrone God. And he is a prototype. He is an illustration of the coming Antichrist. The coming Antichrist we've seen already in our study of Revelation will emerge just as Daniel says and just as the Revelation affirms out of the former Roman Empire that is going to be revived. There will be 10 nations that will come together and then an 11th will come up among them from which the little horn called the Antichrist will rule. Now turn back in your Bible for a moment to chapter 17 because I think it would be helpful for us to review. Revelation 17 and verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and spoke with me saying, come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. We've seen that the judgments are going to come, 21 of them, in the terms of seals, trumpets, and bulls. The bull judgments are described in chapters 15 and 16. And there are seven angels, each having one of God's bulls of wrath. And one of those angels steps forward and he invites John to come and see, to witness the judgment that God is going to bring on what he calls the great harlot. In the 17th chapter, she's called the mother of harlots, and she is known as Mystery Babylon. Now, we've already seen Babylon mentioned prior to the 17th and 18th chapters, and very often God will mention something briefly, and then he'll come back to it, and that's what he's doing in these two chapters. He's going into slow motion as he delineates two sides of this city known as Babylon. One is the religious side, and the other is the political economic side. And so these two chapters are devoted to a real city and a real system, and so we need to pay attention. Now, just to refresh your minds of the overall context, remember Christ is dead, buried, risen, ascended, and the Bible says he is going to judge the living and the dead. He's going to come back. And when we come to chapter 19, we will see the return of Christ from heaven. We'll begin that next week. Then in chapter 20, he will remove from his kingdom every vestige of an unbeliever. He will rule and reign for a thousand years. Satan will be bound during that thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, we will see that Satan will be loose for a short period of time. And we'll see why God allows that and why it's so important. And he will gather some people who were born during the millennial reign through tribulation saints who entered in their natural bodies. And he will gather these unbelievers to go against God's Messiah. And then in chapters um, uh, 20 to 22, he'll further delineate what happens after Christ returns. So in chapter 19, he describes what happens at Christ's return. Chapters 20 to 22, what happens after Christ's return. But here we are in the 18th chapter, and from chapter 6 to 18, he's describing the events that happened before Christ returns, before he rules and reigns. And he's giving us a picture here of the world conditions and of this one world economic system under this man known as Antichrist. 
And I suppose now more than any other time in all of human history, can we see why this might happen? If you lived 100 years ago, it would be virtually impossible to think of a one-world economy. 50 years ago, it wasn't impossible, but it was very hard. Today, we live in that one-world economy. The nations of the world are linked together. And of course, that has happened since I've been born. God has allowed the nations of the world to depend upon one another. And that's going to be the format that the Antichrist will walk into. Now remember, chapter 17 is describing a religious system and it is called in the 17th chapter, Mystery Babylon and Babylon the Great. Chapter 18, as you'll see so clearly today, is describing an economic system. It's called also Babylon the Great and not by accident because God is referring to the same place, the same city, but two sides of it. Now they both exist for two distinct reasons, but they have at least five things in common that are very important. Number one, they are the same city, namely Rome. And we came to that conclusion letting scripture interpret scripture. If you were not here for that, you might want to go back and listen to that message. Number two, they both share the same fallen satanic power. There's parallels in both. Both are inspired by the evil one, both religious Babylon and economic Babylon. Number three, they're the same in that they have the same ruler, namely the Antichrist. Number four, they both hate the saints of God. They persecute God's people, Jew and Gentile alike. And number five, they're associated with the kings of the earth in what God calls fornication. Yet when you come to chapter 18, there are some marked distinct differences from Mystery Babylon of chapter 17. Now, if you remember, if you look down in uh, verse five here of chapter 17, there's a title written across her forehead. Now, you will notice that it is in all capital letters. Most of the time in the NESB, that's an indication that that is an Old Testament quote. This is one of the rare exceptions. This is for a title, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of abominations on the earth. And so Babylon the Great is going to be the religious center of the world. God is going to allow the nations of the world to come together with a religious glue. In fact, look down at verse nine of chapter 17. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So this one world religion that we've spent three messages on, if it's new to you, where this woman, she's described like a harlot because she is unfaithful to this truth of scripture. She sits on a place that's designated as seven mountains. Now a sloppy handling of scripture where you get your theology from a novel rather than from the Bible may lead you to some false conclusions. In the 80s and 90s, there was a number of books that came out, and they identified Babylon as Babylon in Iraq. But we saw that that's an impossible position biblically because we saw from two Old Testament passages that God said when Babylon is destroyed, she will never again be inhabited. And since the destruction of Babylon by the Medes and the Persians, no one has ever lived in that place just as God has said. And God said it will never be inhabited from generation to generation. So that eliminates Babylon and Iraq. Um, Tim LaHaye, who's a 
good brother now in heaven, died a year or so ago. He wrote a very popular series, Left Behind. And of course, he identified the United Nations in New York as Babylon. Still others would say Jerusalem or maybe even Mecca. And the temptation, I think, is to interpret the Bible through current events instead of interpreting current events through the Bible. We know from chapter 17 and verse 18 here that this place called Babylon is the great city. We know that this city sits on seven mountains. And again, if you let Scripture interpret Scripture, there is only one city in the world that would meet these specific qualifications. And of course, it is the city of Rome. And the city of Rome, as most of you know, is the headquarters of the largest world religion, Roman Catholicism. Here's a picture of Pope Francis, who three months ago made this statement. Listen carefully. He said, most people in the world identify to be believers. This should lead us to dialogue among the world's religions. We should not stop praying for it and collaborating with those who think differently. Many think differently, feel differently, seeking God or meeting God in different ways. But there is one certainty that we all have, and that is that we are all children of God. That's not true. We are not all children of God. The Bible is very clear that you must approach the Father through the Son and in the Holy Spirit as a born-again person. The Bible says, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them he has given the right, the power, the authority to become children of God, namely to those who believe in his name. And yet this pope like his two predecessors, but this one more aggressively than any pope in Roman Catholic history, on 20 different occasions since he has taken office, has gathered religious leaders together to uh, form what he argues is a unity of the religions of the world. Just two months ago, Pope Francis signed a document with the Grand Imam of Al-Hazar, who's the Muslim leader in the world, and it's entitled, The Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. And they agreed to these terms. I've read the whole document, and their signatures are at the bottom. They write, the first and most important aim of religions is to believe in God, to honor him, and to invite all men and women to believe that this universe depends on a God who governs it. The pluralism and the diversity of religions are willed by God in his wisdom through which he created human beings. No, the religions of the world are not all willed by God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So you have to decide, are you going to believe the Pope? Or are you going to believe the Lord Jesus? Now, Pope Francis who is given the title as the head of the church, he would be wise to bow down and worship the true head and to agree with what the Lord Jesus has said. Now, we carefully examined from a number of passages why only one city, Rome, could fit the parameters of these two chapters. And let me just say parenthetically, as a former Roman Catholic, I am not a Catholic basher. And there are born-again Catholics in the world who, through their own study of Scripture, have come to know the Lord Jesus. I'm not a Catholic basher. I want to see the one-plus billion Roman Catholics who are not converted to come to true faith. But the Roman Catholic Church, on paper, denies justification by grace alone through faith alone. 
They deny the five solas of the Reformation that are on the window behind you. And if anyone is doing the bashing, it is the Roman Catholic Church, because in the Council of Trent that met from 1542 to 1568, reaffirmed at Vatican I, Vatican II, and then as recently as 2011 through the College of Cardinals, saying that the Council of Trent and its dogmas are absolutely true and to be observed. In that document, there are over 100 anathemas, over 100 statements damning people to hell, not of all the isms of the world, but to Bible-believing evangelical Christians. So let's be clear as to who is doing the bashing in our day. And so we saw John use the identical kind of terminology that he used in Revelation 11 and verse 8. While this is a real city, there is some symbolic meaning behind it. If you remember Revelation 11 and verse 8, he speaks of the great city here, Jerusalem. Remember, two cities are called the great city in the Bible, Jerusalem, God's city, and Babylon, the second most mentioned city, man's city. The great city, he says specifically, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 mentions Rome as Babylon, which obviously cannot be Iraq since God said it would never be inhabited again. There he said, she, the church who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. He's passing on salutations from the believers in Rome, and he refers to the church as being in Babylon. It's a code name like Wall Street or Madison Avenue, and appropriately so because the Babylonian Empire paralleled the Roman Empire in terms of size, splendor, power, and in the negative sense in terms of decadence and depravity. And so it's well documented in literature since the destruction of the temple in 70 AD that the Jewish people throughout the centuries to this day refer to Rome as Babylon. All of the early church fathers who came right after the apostles, much of their writings which we have, in fact, as I gave in my course in bibliology, you can reproduce the entire Bible, the entire New Testament, just through the writings of the church fathers, and they repeatedly refer to Rome as Babylon. In Revelation 17, drop down to verse 18, notice God through his angel um, gives John an added meaning as to how we're to understand the entity known as the woman. The woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. This tells us that the woman is both a religious system, but it is also a literal city. We saw God do the same thing with the beast, with the Antichrist. He's a literal person, but he has a kingdom. And we do the same thing today. We say Hitler bombed England. He didn't literally bomb England, but his kingdom did, so to speak. And please note that it says in this verse, the woman is the great city. Not the woman will be like the great city. He is describing a real place, a real city. Listen, the scripture is inspired down to the tense of a verb. Jesus gave an argument for his deity on the tense of a verb. Not I was the God of Abraham, but I am. Paul d distinguishes between the, the word seeds, plural, and the word seed, singular. The Bible is inspired down to the smallest jot and tittle, Jesus said. 
The woman is the great city. He's describing a real place, a real city that is in existence when he writes the book of Revelation in 95 AD, which of course would eliminate places like New York and Hollywood and some of the other popular spots that wackos on the internet choose. So he's describing the great city built on seven mountains or oruses or hills. Now, if you go into the Bible lands today and you go to say to the Mount of Olives, you say, this isn't a mountain, this is a big hill. God calls it the Mount of Olives. And if he wants to call it a mountain, then I'm gonna go with God, all right? He can call it whatever he wants to call it. The term is used interchangeably of a hill or a mountain. Now, remember verse nine, here is the mind which has wisdom. The truth that is being presented here symbolically requires some spiritual insight if we're gonna interpret it correctly. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads, he's doing it for us, are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So the great city sits on seven mountains. And so many ancient writers, including Victorinus, who has left us the oldest remaining commentary in the book of Revelation, identifies the seven hills that John is describing as Rome. So Mystery Babylon is described as the center of the world religions. Babylon the Great is described as the economic and commercial power of the world. And yet chapters 17 and 18 are describing the same place. Now if you're here, we went through three messages just on the 17th chapter. And we saw how the 10 kings under the leadership of the Antichrist, and according to the next verse says God's will destroyed religious Babylon. And yet in the 18th chapter, it is very, very much in existence. How so? I take it probably they are destroying a section of Babylon. In fact, I will not be at all surprised when we get to heaven to find out that it's this place pictured known as the Vatican, which is a city within a city. Now, I'm not saying that the Roman Catholic Church is the one world religion that is represented in chapter 17, because it is not. The religion of chapter 17 are all the isms of the world. You see that bumper sticker coexist? That's the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. All of the religions of the world will be mixed together. But I will not be at all surprised if they use this 100-acre site on which the Pope and his followers have as their own city within a city. It has its own unique flag, its own unique citizenship. The Vatican City has its own permanent observer status in the United Nations, not represented by the ambassador that represents other Italians. And I find it interesting that on two separate occasions as recorded by God, God makes it very clear that there is a distinction. Because remember, we're going to, we've studied it already with religious Babylon, 10 kings, according to God's will, because God's sovereign. Look, Luther had it right on this. He was all mixed up on the Jewish people. But he had it right on this. The devil is God's devil. That is, the devil doesn't have absolute freedom. He is allowed to do what he can do under the hand of a sovereign God. And, of course, these ten kings obliterate religious Babylon. And yet, when we come to chapter 18, we're going to see the kings of the world now mourning over the destruction of Babylon because it is God from heaven who is going to destroy it. Next week, when we continue our message, The Cry When Babylon Falls, we'll see how this great city, which springs up during the tribulation, will force submission to the Antichrist and to a one-world economic system. 
To listen again to today's study, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV52. Things are still uncertain because of the COVID pandemic, but we are praying and trusting God for a resolution soon. As such, we've begun to make plans for another Search the Scriptures trip to Israel in late September and early October of 2021. Join Dr. Brogy as he leads an 11-day tour of the Holy Land. If you're interested, sign up to be notified as details unfold. Just visit searchthescriptures.org Israel. Tomorrow, Dr. Brogy's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll continue our look at the cry when Babylon falls. Join us then as we search the scriptures.